It's time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Good evening, everyone. Welcome on a gloomy and windy Monday night in western New York. Uh, We are now one week away from our live mock draft. Tom, how you feeling? I'm getting really excited about it. I know we're working on a few different ideas to make it special for everyone out there. Um, So I'm excited to see how this is going to come together. It'll be our first time doing it. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, We've talked potentially Facebook Live um, or a a Zoom broadcast of the the draft, um, putting up uh, some boards, and and we've got some ideas in play here. Um, But we know that we're going to do a two-round live mock draft. So. Don't worry, Bills fans, you're going to get to hear one selection from us. Um, we had a, a coin toss between Tom and I, and uh, Tom is selecting the even positions in the yep. draft, and I am selecting all the odds. So um, I'll have the first pick on the board with uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, and I think we've agreed that no trades. No right? trades, No yeah. trades at this point. It's too hard to speculate on, on who would move where. Um, instead, we're just going to try to go true to our draft boards, I think, and, and select the best player in a position of need for folks um, down the line and what seems to make the most sense for those teams based on you know where we go in this. And I think that you might see some creativity uh, over the course of those 32 picks yeah. between the two of us, um, 64 picks really, I guess. So the second round's where it could get really interesting if you're, if you're deep into the draft. So uh, we're excited for that. Uh, Tom, give us a rundown of tonight's agenda. Uh, first, we're going to touch on some uh, big news in the NFL. Then we're going to do our top 10 wide receivers for the upcoming draft, top 10 corners. Um, Kevin and I are each going to give you our top 10 for our big boards. And then we're going to go over team needs. We're going to go division by division, kind of preview a little bit of what the mock's going to look like, where we assess each team, what they need to address, what their glaring holes are. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, without any further ado, let's jump right in with uh, the breaking news that we have this evening on the NFL. Yeah, so the first uh, NFL news was Christian McCaffrey has agreed to an extension, making him the highest paid running back in the NFL at $16 million a year. Uh, looks like it's going to be a four-year deal. Um, final numbers are not out, but that has been reported that he's now the highest paid running back in the NFL. Yeah, it uh, doesn't touch the $90 million that Zeke was given, but he's shorter duration on this contract. Yes. Um, average annual value is is where he becomes the highest paid uh, running back in the league. It'll be interesting to see how much of that is guaranteed and if it's a, a true four-year deal or if it, it's really a three-year deal with a team option for yeah. Season 4. Um, we talked a little bit about this amongst some of our friends earlier today, and um, is there too much – is there enough tread on the tires left to spend $16 million per season on a running back, and is it worth putting that kind of money in that position? Yeah, I think the position is what gets me. Um, I have no worries about McCaffrey completing the next few seasons. I don't see anything to make you think he can't. Um, my, my worry is just that position. We're not talking just $16 million, right? He has backup players, uh, backup running backs that are going to get paid as well, so you're talking about close to $20 million locked in on the running back position. Um, that's what an eighth of your cap space spent on that. So yeah, it's a lot. It is a lot to commit to that position. So, um, we'll end up seeing if that works out for them. I know that, um, in the new offensive scheme that they're going to run there, he can be a super valuable player. Um, I just, I don't know about a pass catching running back. Yeah. I mean, he's fun to watch. I'm a big, 
big fan. I'll we'll of course be trying to get him in fantasy leagues here in a few months. Yeah. Um, but I just from a, a football cap standpoint, I don't like that much money in my opinion committed to the running back position. Um, the other big news, which has a wider impact on the NFL, is the NFL and the players union have come to agreement on a virtual off season. Um, two big takeaways for for me is one. Thank goodness this this allows them to keep their timeline to hopefully have regular training camps in, in August and, uh, you know, regular launch of the NFL season. So I think it's smart on both sides to work it out. Um, and the second thought is a really good job by the players union to make sure that the guys are still going to be able to get their bonuses for workout bonuses and showing up to voluntary camps. They made that part of this as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um... So it's exciting to hear that the NFL is going to try to stay on schedule as best they can through everything here, uh, leading us to believe that, you know, come the second week of September, we're going to have NFL football to watch. Yes. Which, you know, it seems like a long ways away right now, but it's still great news to hear that we're not going to have to worry about more delay in that. Um, So with that, let's jump into wide receivers, Tom. Um, Why don't you kick it off here with your number 10 receiver on your draft board? Okay. So wide receivers here are – a very heralded class uh, before we get started with the names. Um, it's a very heralded class. I think a lot has been made over how good this class is. And, you know, obviously we'll see um, if they're able to live up to all of the hype. Uh, but with that said, there are some really good guys in here. Um, and, and we're talking a very deep class. And I, I think that's the difference here. We have one or two guys at the top who look like they could be elite. But I think the, the class's strength is how deep it is. You have guys who and the 15th, 16th player are going to be solid pro football players. And that's not always the case in any position. Um, so at number 10, I have Michael Pittman Jr. from USC. Uh, a big wide receiver from USC. Very productive in a team that has its ups and downs the last couple of years. Um, he's a little bit of everything. He's big, but he, he is a, f- a fairly good route runner. He's got good hands. He's very physical. Um, may have some... You know, some of the uh, negatives on him that make him 10 instead of up higher would be some of his um, acceleration isn't there. He doesn't have that top-end speed like some of the guys we're going to talk about soon. And he doesn't run with the ball, uh, run after the catch as good as a lot of these guys. Uh, but he gets open. He, he has a very good catch radius, comes down with the ball very, very uh, frequently. Yeah. Um, I think he's a, he's a nice player. He just missed my list. Um, you know, it to me, I, I thought that he might be – he didn't have that explosive step that I that I wanted to see out of – you know, he's big, though. So, I mean, he is he's going to be a great red zone target for somebody. Yeah, um, I, I definitely think there's a place for him. At, um, you know, he's going to be a more of a possession type, move yeah. the chains, third and seven, you know, like, yeah. a, like a quicker tight end almost. Yeah. Um, number 10 for me is Jalen Rager from TCU. Um, Rager had uh, very strong numbers in the combine, um, four four seven forty with a forty two inch vertical. Um, those numbers are, are solid, rock solid. Um, he he comes in. He's only five eleven is the reading that I have on. So he's not super tall. And one of the concerns with him is that he uh, has a little trouble with press coverage. So our guy is going to be able to jam him up at the line of scrimmage. Um, he does, however, have the ability to make plays at, at every level of the, the defense. He can get deep downfield. He's got great fluidity and, and loose hips. He looks like a very good athlete. 
Um, he's been involved in gadget plays. He's he's returned some kicks. He's done some. He's done a lot of great things there. And the quarterback play has been really questionable at TCU over the last few years. So I think that he's performed really well in under the circumstances, and he's been productive in in that offense as well. So um, I think that he's a he's a really good player that is going to make a, a nice transition to the NFL. I don't expect wide receiver one out of him at any point in his career though. And then at number nine, I have LaVisca Chenault from Colorado. Um, Chenault is 6'1", 227. Um, Chenault didn't perform in the vertical or um, broad jumps. He ran his 40 and 4'5", um, He's kind of a physical guy at 6'1", 227, and he does a great job fighting for the football. Um, he play, He's played in the slot. He can play out wide. Um he seems to be like strong with the ball in his hands. He's not an easy tackle. So, I mean, even if he catches a, a quick screen or a slant, that first guy is going to struggle to get him to the ground. And that can be a huge asset in today's NFL. Um, he didn't, his production didn't grow this year as much as I expected it to, um, with him and Montez both returning at Colorado. Um, he's had some injury issues. He's missed some playing time. Um, had surgeries on, on his labrum and his toe in 2019. Um, he, so he, he takes a beating and that's a good thing, but I'm, I'm concerned about his durability because of that. He doesn't make guys miss really too much. So, um, I like LaVisca Chenault. I think he's going to be valuable at the next level. Um, again, a guy who's more like a wide receiver too, that can be versatile in your, in your offense and play in the slot if you need him to. All right, so I have uh, Jalen Riker actually as my number nine um, for a lot of the same things. I think that uh, his speed allows him to win a lot, um, but with that, there's some things you worry about him being pressed. Um, first of all, I didn't see a lot of it in college because of his speed. People were afraid to be up on him, uh, and he does a great job catching like bubble screens, smoke screens. Uh, he's got the ability to return kicks right away. I think, um, you know, someone's going to put him in the slot and he's going to make a lot of people look silly there. Uh, maybe not the top wide receiver on a team, but he's going to be somebody that's productive, that's going to make big plays for you, um, who's also even just being on the field is going to affect a defense. Um, so I have him at nine. Um, at eight, I have K.J. Hamler uh, from Penn State. Um, Hamler... Uh, came in as, as a very, very small wide receiver, 5'9", weighed in 176 pounds, uh, redshirt sophomore out of Penn State. So immediately he's a little fast. He's a little he's a little bit of the human joystick type, right? He's going to be quick, catch balls, move. Um, and he's actually what uh, surprised me a little bit about him watching was some of the routes he was able to run. Uh, he's, he's got some wiggle to him, which allows him to really lose defensive backs. When I'm looking at a lot of these guys are, are talented, right? So the one thing that separates them in the NFL is getting open. So when I see somebody who has that ability to get open, uh, it always piques my interest. Um, but because of his size, he, he can't get any higher than this, really. I mean, he's going to be a player that is nice. He's going to be similar, I think, to Rager, where he's going to be able to make big plays for you. You're going to have a place for him. Uh, but he's not going to be a guy who can catch the ball every, 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 uh, every series and, and get those kind of hits. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so he just missed the, the list for me because I, I see him as a 
slot receiver, gadget receiver, you know, taking jet sweeps kind of guy who's going to have some effectiveness at the next level. But I don't think I don't see him as a every down kind of wide receiver. He's more somebody who's just going to be on the field and and creating some explosive plays, no doubt about it. Um, you know, it, try and think back over time to some guy. Albert Wilson with Miami comes to mind for me. Similar uh, type of player, uh, explosive, smaller athlete that can take the jet sweeps and the, the reverses and uh, the quick screens and throw double passes. You know, that's the kind of stuff that I see out of him. Van Jefferson comes in at number eight for me. Um, Van Jefferson has unbelievable pedigree. Uh, his father was in the NFL for 13 seasons and now has been an assistant coach in the NFL for 11 seasons. Um, Jefferson is very intelligent, um, very smooth, very fluid, understands the game. Um, he knows how to beat the press, which is huge. He may not have the top end speed to blow by guys and the physicality to, to defeat people, but Jefferson shows me all that I want as far as somebody who's going to be creative and shifty and find himself in open spaces a lot and make plays. So I have Van Jefferson at eight. At seven, I have Tyler Johnson from Minnesota. Tyler Johnson is uh, 6'1", 206, and uh, he comes in, he's been very productive. So where Van Jefferson didn't have a ton of production in college but shows all the skills that you want to see, Tyler Johnson has proven himself to be productive, and he is unbelievable at getting the ball. Some You throw it up in coverage, Tyler Johnson's going to beat just about anybody that's around him to the ball. Um, he works hard. He um, he does a great job getting up the field. For a guy that's not 6'3 or 6'4, he high points the ball really well. Um, he So he doesn't jump that high, but his timing and understanding of what he's doing is what... It, it, He's never going to be measurable. When you put up the measurables, he's never going to be a top-tier NFL receiver. But I think he's always going to find ways to be productive. And to me, sometimes just looking at tape and watching guys always win the ball, always create separation somehow, even if they don't have that great speed or quickness or leaping ability, uh, that to me uh, renders him here at number seven on my list. All right, so at number eight I have, or number seven, I have Van Jefferson as well. Um, for same reasons. I mean, he kind of checks all the boxes. Is he's big, he's physical, he's um, doesn't again have the elite speed, which keeps him down on the list. But he's a very good at getting open. Um, I again like his routes. I believe he's a seasoned route runner. Um, has the ability to get open himself. Good hands. No, nothing that's gonna no no drop issues that are gonna worry you um, from a bigger guy at six two, two hundred pounds. And then one of my favorite playmakers is number six, LaVisca Chenault Jr. Um, everything you just said, he is electric to watch with the ball in his hands. Um, anytime he gets the ball, he has a chance to take it the distance. Um, does not like to go down, um, as you alluded to, with taking all the hits. Um, if it wasn't for some of those injuries, I think he'd be a lot higher for me. I like his game in the NFL. I think his size is pretty much prototypical perfect um his speed is good his explosiveness is good it's just a couple of those injuries make you wonder um and keeps you down a little bit but uh I, everything about him from a, a wide receiver perspective is fun yeah no doubt about it um at number six for me is t higgins um 
here's a guy that I think a lot of people have higher on their board. Um, maybe not by a lot, but you know, he, he is a little higher on most people's board than he is on mine. Higgins is a, a guy that he just, he doesn't look like he runs routes. He looks like he's kind of lackadaisical out there, but he wins the ball quite frequently. I mean, that's the thing. He, he is, he is really good at going up and getting the football. Um, he had, the benefit of being with Trevor Lawrence being his quarterback for the last two years, um, who may be the highest-rated quarterback prospect that we've seen since Andrew Luck. Um, he's he's really um, been in a, in a great situation. But against great corners, I'm not sure that he's going to be able to, to beat the press. I don't know if he has the will or the desire. I'm not sure about his upper body strength. I'm not sure that he's going to be able to block well at the next level. I feel like he might be kind of a one-trick pony, but really great at that one trick. Um, so T. Higgins lands here at six for me. At five, I have Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State. Brandon Ayuk did test at the combine. He's got a 40-inch vertical, 4 5 40. Um, he is a guy that is super productive. Um, he had 65 catches for 1192 and eight scores. And... Um, he returned kicks like crazy for Arizona State as well. He did have a core muscle injury that is just recent that he had surgery on. It scares me a little bit, but um, Brandon Ayuk beats man coverage like uh, almost better than anybody else in this draft. Um, he catches the ball. He, he's, he just very clean with his catches. No issues there pulling it out of the air. Um he does a great job with his uh, breaks. He's got a good burst to his step. And, um, you know, there, there are some things that he does probably need to, to develop is I'm concerned that the press coverage downfield, I don't know if he's going to go up and win those balls. I'm not sure that he's a guy that's going to steal those, um, those passes that are, you know, one-on-one -on -one and I got to beat the corner. Um, but Brandon Ayuk, I think is going to be a really good player here at the next level. So Brandon Ayuk at five. I have Brandon Ayuk at five as well. Um, I think he's brings a lot of uh, run after the catch ability. I think he's going to be able to return kicks year one um, to kind of contribute right away. He's definitely somebody that may need some time to grow at route running and specifically clearing the press, getting free of that. Uh, the one thing that these guys don't face a lot in the college game is press coverage. Not a lot of college defenses run press coverage um, the better ones do. There's a reason for that. But you have to have a certain type of athlete to be able to, to make those work against these top wide receivers. So a lot of these college defenses don't even do it. Um, so it's something new to a lot of them. And this is no different for Brandon. He's not going to be used to seeing somebody right in his face, jamming him, knowing that they have help. Um, but I think that his ability to catch, uh, run after the catch, his ability to take a slant and make a big play, and his ability to return kicks – are all top end. Um, at four, I have Justin Jefferson from LSU. Um, Je Jefferson was so much fun to watch. Um, as I was going through some of his tape, um, he's really good. 6'3", came in right under 100, uh, 200 pounds. Um, he was able to – they move him around a lot at LSU, which when you watch their, their offense, that's no surprise. Um, very good route runner. Um amazing at going up and getting the ball time and time again you see these balls up maybe just hey go make a play and he 
over and over and over and over again, getting getting a hold of the ball, coming down with it. It'll be very interesting to see where he goes in the NFL because I think he needs a quarterback who's able to see that he has somebody on him but trust him to make those plays because some of his separation skills are not the best uh, because he, you know, he lacks that elite speed in the NFL. Um, but uh, if he can be the second guy on a team, he may be a very good second option in the NFL. So I have him at four. Absolutely. So four for me is uh, Henry Ruggs. So I have Henry Ruggs at four uh, because, first off, he, he let's talk about the good. He's his speed is unreal, four two seven forty. He flat out flies. He changes pace really well when he's out there. So you know he'll start kind of just trotting along, and then he'll step on it and run right by guys. Um, some of the things that he might need to work on at the next level. First off, I'm not sure that he can handle the press at the next level. Uh, if you have an elite corner that can get their hands on him. Uh, he might be challenged a little bit. I'm not sure that he wins at the line of scrimmage near as much as he did with, with all the free releases that he gets in college. Um, talented special return guy, uh, special teams return guy. Um, so one of the things that, that I'm concerned about is contested catches. He's not going to do any of that. It, that that's not going to be his forte. He's not going to um, do well with physical corners but he's going to be an immediate explosive asset for somebody. Um, I think that, you know, speculating ahead here, I think San Francisco at 13 is a perfect landing spot for Henry Ruggs. Kyle Shanahan loves him some speed receivers. Uh, Marquise Goodwin can't stay healthy out there. I don't know if he's even still on the roster anymore. Um, but Henry Ruggs makes all the sense in the world to me there as a change-up for uh, the kid that they, they drafted last year there uh, from South Carolina. Debo Samuel. Um, I think I think he's a perfect change of pace for Debo Samuel in, in that San Francisco offense and giving Jimmy G more weapons. Um, but yeah, Henry Ruggs is a it's super freak speed athlete, um, but he's just not polished enough as a receiver for me to rank him in the top three here. At three is Justin Jefferson for all the reasons that Tom talked about. Um, he just he can just consistently wins the ball. He consistently catches the ball high points it makes explosive plays um his route running is something that could be sharpened up but i think that's something that a coach can fix at the next level his size and athleticism combination and his ability to win the ball lands justin jefferson at three here for me uh let's see at three i have henry ruggs the third um his speed just you can't teach it um it's one of those things where when you have it it's just such a unique tool that um you can't have and not often do you see somebody who's able to catch the ball as well um, as Henry Ruggs with this speed. There's a lot of fast guys in the NFL. There's a lot of guys that can catch in the NFL. There's not a lot of guys with elite speed and the ability to catch, and he has both of them. Um, so just that alone, he's going to be able to get onto a team right away, make big plays. Again, he's one of these guys that, uh, as a safety, you have to know where he is. If they put him in motion, you're going to have to adjust. Um so he's a big plays uh, ability on every time. And number two, and this is where my number two and number one wide receiver, I think, are a step above everyone else in this list. Um, you'll hear their two names over and over and over again if you do any, you know, looking into this. And uh, number two, I have C.D. Lamb uh, from Oklahoma. Uh, I think that he's he's obviously a very good elite ability to catch the football. Um, he's got good speed, not great speed. His ability to catch jump balls is great. His body control, 
Um, some of the things I love about him were just the way he would set up uh, routes. Not necessarily the greatest route runner, but he sets up routes very well, meaning he starts off going one way to come back the other way. Um, not the quickest, most elite level of route running, but he sets them up well. He, he has a plan. He knows what he's doing. Um, the one thing that keeps him at two instead of one for me, uh, I think at Oklahoma they do their offensive style is set up to have guys wide open a lot, and he was able to take advantage of just some of their scheming. Um, we will see in the NFL if that slows him down a little bit, but I think an elite prospect definitely should go in the in the top of the draft here. Um, we'll, we'll see his name called very early on Thursday night. Yeah, it uh, sounds like Tom and I ended up in the same order at the top of our list because at two I have C.D. Lamb, um, and at one I have Jerry Judy from Alabama. Um, I think Jerry Judy is the cleanest uh, receiver prospect out of the group. Um, he maintains the, the measurables that you need, um, as well as the sharpest route running ability and ability to create separation always. Um, he, he's constantly open, and when he gets the ball in his hands, I'm afraid that he's going to go to the house every time he touches it. Um, Judy gives you everything that you're looking for and maybe one of the best wide receiver prospects in my eyes since Julio Jones coming out of Alabama years prior. Um, so to me, I think Jerry Judy's a star at the next level. No matter where he lands, he is going to be productive. He's going to be great. Seems by all accounts to be a good guy on the team and a hard worker. So um, I have CeeDee Lamb at two for all the reasons Tom talked about and Jerry Judy at one. Yeah, and I think the biggest reason for Judy being above Lamb um, you know, is the route running. There's a difference between being good at setting routes up and making that that one cut and watching Jerry Judy just shake cornerbacks to looking the opposite direction, turning them inside out, um, just making people miss when he gets the, his, the ball in his hands too. Just uh, very physical, very fast, just everything you'd want in an NFL wide receiver. And I think that is why him and uh, CeeDee Lamb, the one thing you had said, wherever these two go they're going to be a star some of these other guys can be stars if they get in the right system they're used appropriately yes they have that ceiling but these two i don't care what team they land on i don't care what offensive scheme they're in they're going to be good football players and they're going to make plays yeah absolutely and you know that's a, this is a fun wide receiver class tom there's no doubt about it like um there are some groups in this year's and i think you find this every year there are some groups that just they just stand out above the other ones and and this one feels like a group that's going to be good um and deep you know it's not that those guys down near the bottom of our list today were, were um slugs by any stretch all of them i feel like have the ability to be you know wide receiver two or better and some may develop and surprise us later on um but you know no doubt in my mind that those guys at the top are going to be just unreal in the next at the next level yeah we could have gone another 10 more in wide receiver and still be talking about guys who are going to make impact on nfl teams this year and going on or going forward the, there's it's just such a deep class and that's why wide receiver this year's you know it, it doesn't have the up the upside that the 2014 class had the, the you have a couple guys that are really good and there's a bit of a gap there, but after that gap, there's so many guys in that range of really good NFL starters. Uh, it's it's insane how many there are. Yeah, I mean, that's why it's kind of crazy to me that you'd trade away your first-round pick for a wide receiver right before this draft. Because you, you got one that's way better than all of them. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I had to take a shot. All right, uh, let's move on to cornerbacks, Tom. Why don't you fire us up first? Okay, uh, let me get there. I probably should do that. 
Uh, number 10, I have Bryce Hall from Virginia. Um, I love a lot of things about Bryce Hall. Uh, his size, he's got the perfect size, six foot, 200 pounds. Um, he's got a long reach. Um, I'm really uh, interested to see what kind of defense he gets into. I think a zone defense is going to be his best scheme fit. Um, we'll definitely see how that works, but I just think uh, if you get him in a zone corner with his size and his ability, uh, football smarts is something that comes up when you're talking, uh, when you're reading about him and kind of talking to people about him. Football smarts always comes up, and whenever I hear that at corner, I'm always thinking he'd probably be good in a zone because a lot yeah. of that is reading the play and reacting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so th- this corner class is another one that's pretty good out of, yeah. in this draft. I think um, I have probably guys, six guys that are starters, um, you know, that, that confident that they could be starting in, in season one, whether that be in the slot or, or on the boundary. Um, so, you know, there, there are a lot of great prospects here. I have one at, at 10 here. He's, he's probably a little lower on my list than most, and that's Jalen Johnson. Um, Jalen Johnson uh, played at Utah. Um, pretty good defense there. Um, he, he's uh, six feet, 193. He's a boundary corner. He's, you're not going to get much versatility out of him. I don't expect to see him going in the slot. He plays very physical. Um, he's very good in the press. Um, he, he's really good at communication and, um, smart. He, he can play zone. He can play off man. Um, he can play press man. So he does have some versatility there on the boundary. Um, he does have like, uh, his balance isn't great. Um, he could have problem with quick receivers, guys who can make quick cuts. Um, that's the concern that I have. And he seems to like lunge and reach and, um, those could be a little bit of a problem at the next level. Uh, he may end up with some holding penalties, I think, early in his career until he really hits his stride. Um, at nine, I have Darnay Holmes from UCLA. Holmes is uh, 5'10", 195, uh, ran a 44840, so plenty of speed there. Um, so he's not tall, uh, but he's a very hard worker. Um, eight career interceptions, a couple of pick six, um, physically well put together, um, aggressive attacks, not afraid to go up and make the tackle. Um, he's not, his limitations come from physicality. He's not long. Um, he's, I think he might struggle a little bit when he's not in that, um, press situation or a perfect zone situation. I I think that he might have a, a little trouble adapting guys who are creative can probably get him to to turn around and I'm not sure that he has the the burst to make up for that um and the the ultimate like scarlet letter is tight hips and cornerbacks and they say that he has a little bit of that but um I think there's enough good here to have him at number nine on the list all right so I'm just bringing up how to pronounce this young man's name because it's not from, the easiest from Auburn from, from Auburn Noah Igbenogany Noah Igbenogany um, so he, I have him at number nine. There's a lot of things to like about him. Uh, if physicality is your brand of football, you're getting it. Uh, he's definitely somebody who will come up and stop the run. Um, um, I know a lot of people think he's a little raw. Um, and I say a lot of people. A lot of people I've looked into think he's a little raw. But I just love the things I was able to see him do. I mean, you got to think all those wide receivers we just talked about at Alabama and LSU – and he's going up against them multiple times a season for the last couple of years. And 
by all accounts, performing really well right. against just Joe hold- Burrow and Justin Jefferson and, you know, that group yeah. that they have there. De- definitely holding his own, you know. It's not it's not like he shut them all down, obviously, correct, right. right? But it's not like he got lit up and it was embarrassing. So when I see that combined with his just – he's just physical, just yeah. so, willing to jam at the line of scrimmage and run with you, willing to shed a wide receiver and come up and stick a running back or blow up a screen pass – I mean, all those things I love to see out of corners myself. Um, so I have him at nine. Um, again, it, it seems it seems like he has some things to work on, but I just love the athleticism and the compete level for, for him there. I, it may be a bit of a homer thing, but I have him higher on my list. <laughs> um, next, I have somebody who's probably higher on most lists, probably even on Kevin's. But uh, I have Jeff Gladney at um, eight. Um he, he very good player out of TCU, um, two years in a row, fifteen pass breaks up, ba- break ups. That's still hard for me to say. This <laughs> right. around. Break ups. Um, a couple things that uh, don't appeal to me is his size. He's six feet tall, but he's he's got short arms. Uh, so you know that's a that's a thing. Having short arms is not exactly a a, a gift. Um, he's not very physical either. Uh, not somebody you see just going up and making big plays at the line of scrimmage. Not somebody you see jamming wide receivers. Again, part of that's probably he wasn't asked to do it at TCU. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, still a good prospect. Not like I'm hating on the guy. He's definitely got a lot of skills. He's probably more of a man corner. He's going to run with you. He's going to stay close to you. Um, but just not, you know, I have him at eight. Yeah, um, he missed my list, Tom. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of the same things you talked about there. He's he's beloved by a lot of people in this draft. He's ranked, you know, by some in the top five in this draft. Yeah. Um, I don't see it. I, I don't see it, and, and I don't like it in that conference in particular. I struggle picking corners <laughs> that that I really like out of that conference. But you know, um, he missed my list. And uh, I have next on my list uh, Bryce Hall. Um, Tom talked about him at 10. Um, he played receiver for the, for his entire high school career. He was really good and, um, recruited as a receiver and, um, some concerns about injuries, um, that he's had at some points in his career. Um, but overall, I think Bryce Hall is going to be a, a very solid player. And, um, I think that he, he might have some zone or some safety traits in him at some point in his career because he's really good at lurking and, and stealing passes. So I I think that, you know, if he can, he's a press corner already, um, and he's got long arms and, and, you know, those things are really great. Um, if he's not tremendous at corner i think that he could be he could be really good at moving to a safety eventually in his career the old aaron williams route yeah exactly uh next on my list is cameron dantzler cameron dantzler is from mississippi state he is 62 188 um hold me closer cameron dantzler yeah (laughs) yeah a little yeah um so Cameron Dantzler is an explosive athlete, long jump champion in high school. Um, he played in that same SEC with the great competition at quarterback that they had. Um, you know, you're talking about a group that has Jake Fromm, Tua Tagovailoa, and uh, Joe Burrow, all guys that are going to be playing at the next level. So 
to me, and you're facing some of the best receivers in the entire draft as well. And you're going out there and you're holding your own. And to me, Cameron Dantzler's physical ability, plus what he's seen already in front of him in college, uh, tells me that he's going to be a good player at the next level. Um, he's a little thin. Uh, he needs to bulk up a little bit, I think. At not, 6'2", not, 186. Yeah, not a problem in an NFL locker room. <laughs> right. He's he's going to get shoved around by big receivers at the next level. Um, so, you know, that's that's important. And he needs to be able to get off blocks and come up and make tackles at the next level. So uh, those are the reasons that he's not higher. I think that in coverage, I think he's going to be really good. Um, but I, I'm concerned about his ability to, to deal with guys that can, that can bully him. All right. Number seven, I have... Travon Diggs, um, out of Alabama, 6'2", 207-pound corner. Um, so a couple things that I love about him as a prospect. One, his size. He, If you're measuring size, he has elite size. Long, big, physical, like all of that. Check, check, check. Um, when you talk about competition, again, Alabama, he played the big games against Clemson. He was playing those big games against LSU. Check, check. When you talk about multiple schemes, Alabama runs a hybrid defense. They run zone. They run man. Um, they do a little bit of everything. So he has experience in all of that. The one big knock on him is, is he willing or able to make tackles? Um, he definitely has some some games where you see him and he's just dragging guys to the ground. He's holding on till the cavalry arrives, you know, things like that, which is not something you want to see at the NFL level definitely something he can work on and you know get into the nfl and work on it but with everything else going for him i have him at seven at six i have aj terrell another corner out of clemson six 190 pounds um again this this guy is an elite athlete um this guy has a little bit of the same thing the one thing i would be worried about if i'm drafting him is uh holding and defensive pass interference calls that may be coming my way uh, has a very bad reputation for getting away with those little grabs and those little redirections of the hips, which uh, you don't get away with as much in the NFL with those officials as you do sometimes in college. Um, But again, super athletic, been in huge games, very uh, adept at changing direction, following, flipping hips, doing all the things that you want to see out of a corner. Um, AJ Terrell, I have at six. Yeah. Um, I also have AJ Terrell at six. Um, he got roasted in the LSU national championship game, you know, and I mean, roasted. Yeah. He's there. He he got knocked around. He, he, he was not shutting anybody down. That's for sure. Um, so, you know, that part of it concerned me because I thought it was a huge jump up in class from the receivers that he had been facing. And when he get up, he got up against those guys from LSU, all of a sudden he looked overmatched. Um, so, you know, I think he's going to be fine at the next level. That can be a learning experience for him. Um, that can be, hey, I've got to work even harder to be prepared for these top-level receivers because I'm not seeing them in the ACC, really. Right. So, you know, I've got to, I've got to you know, really put in the work here, study the tape, understand guys' counter moves, understand how they're getting into their routes, what tendencies do they have. You know, those are things that he can probably get better at because physically I think he's got a lot of great traits there and a lot of good ball skills and ability to go up and knock it away. Um, but I think he's got some work to do at the next level, and that's why he fell at six here for me. I think some people have him higher than that. Yeah, for one, just to 
piggyback off that Terrell I've seen high is in the top three or four and I've seen him as low as in like 12 to 15 range yeah. so they're definitely split on him uh when you look around and I think it's because he, you watch him one game and he looks amazing then LSU game and some of that is just the plays that were made there were some jump balls that were caught where yeah. he's in a good position but doesn't make a good position play on the ball right um things like that that he needs to improve on obviously no doubt. going to the NFL yeah um five for me is Noah Igbenogany um, I think that his ability to continue to develop as a cornerback is huge because he just transitioned to the cornerback position. He's kind of new to it in the last couple of years. Um, that's why Tom mentioned that he's raw. Um, he was a receiver prior to that. He, yeah. he seems to be doing a, a great job of transitioning. He's got all the athletic skills that you want. Um, and he faced great competition throughout the course of his, his career. Um, I really like him at the next level. I think he's going to get better and better. He, he may not be a year one stud corner, but I'll tell you what, by year three or four, this might be a guy that you don't want to throw it near. Um, so, you know, I think Igmanogany, and I love his aggressiveness. He, yeah. he he has no fear when it comes to attacking screen plays or, you know, that can get in his way. Double moves could catch him from time to time at the next level, but um, I really like Igmanogany here at five. At five, I have Jalen Johnson from Utah. Um, Kevin, you talked about him a little bit. His quickness and his ability to um, react to a wide receiver's cuts are, is just unbelievable. Um, he's really, really good at that. He's very good against physical wide receivers. It's something that I've seen multiple times just giving him kudos for. Um, you know, he's only six feet tall, but it seems to play longer than that. One of these guys that is very good at pressing and running with people, uh, so he should be a very good fit for the most NFL schemes because of that. At number four, I have Christian Fulton. Um, Fulton is an interesting guy. Uh, obviously very good player from LSU. Going to get drafted high in the on the draft. I think some people have him top three, top two. Um, he falls at number four here for me. I think there's, there's a few guys who are a little better. Uh, this guy may not, been, may not have been the best corner on his team which takes yeah. him down a little bit for me. Um, I think his size, everything you look at as far as um, physical traits are, are perfect what you're looking for. I think um, some of the things he needs to work on are making plays on balls. Um, it seems like some of those jump balls, he is in position but like doesn't jump or get up to make a play on it at all. He, does, he doesn't get enough. I mean, because they had to throw away from, from – uh... The kid, the other kid at LSU, whose name I'm struggling with I right now. I was trying to think of it too, and I couldn't. But uh, you know, it, they weren't challenging him near as much, so it was coming towards Fulton a little more. Yeah. Um, you know, 14 pass breakups is, is great. That, that's an indication of that. He only intercepted one pass. You know, and and that to me says that there's some work to be done there. Um, so over the last two years, he's only come down with two picks, um, in in quite a bit of playing time, and he's had some ankle injury issues and so so forth. He's also at four for me. That's why I jumped in on you. <laughs> and he he does have a, susp a pretty gnarly suspension, um, in 2017 for tampering with a drug test. Um, there's a lot of like, I was trying to figure out what he did. There's no exact specifics, but the tampering with a drug test does not sound like a pro move. So Yeah. Um, and at four for me was Fulton. Um, at three for me is Trayvon Diggs. Um, oh, okay. I, I put Diggs at three here um, because 
first off, because he, he's Stefan's brother. Yeah, first off, good good pedigree. His his entire um, group uh, family has a uh, a good history of athleticism. Um, he had another brother that played uh, DB in uh, community college in UAB. Um, so, you know, physically, like you said, he has everything. He he has all of those skills. I think that I know that desire is the question mark with him. But I can live with a cornerback that's not much of a willing tackler if that, you know, he, he it doesn't need to be their strongest suit right, by yeah. any stretch. And he's so good at the other things that he has. The only thing that I worry about is I'm afraid that he's going to get caught sometimes because he thinks, oh, I'm going to steal this slant and take it to the house. And he's going to give up long plays because of that. So I think he's going to be a guy that can lock down players, but I think he's going to make mental mistakes from time to time. Um, so all the physical tools in the world, um, there's another guy at the top of this list who is the opposite of that. He's, he's never going to make those kind of mistakes. He's unbelievable. But um, Trayvon Diggs at three for me. At three, I have Damon Arnett out of Ohio State. Um, there's a lot to like here. His, his man coverage is very strong, um, always in the hip pocket, definitely able to mirror um, wide receivers that are running around. Um, again, another – I mean, these are guys are all amazing athletes as we're talking about the top 10 corners going to the NFL draft. So it's, yeah. it may sound a little bit repetitive, but six foot, 195 pounds, um, super athletic. Uh, I think it's the same, same song and dance, right? Um, his ability to um, tackle will be in question for some teams. Some teams will be able to work with it a little more than others. Um, he is able to put hits down if you if you look at some of his highlights he does have some some thumps um but the, uh, the there's a difference between thumping some guys he as you're catching him where he's where he's not be able to brace himself and there's a and uh squaring up a running back who's coming at you so um, don't be surprised if if you see one and not the other when you're looking at him but solid length um gonna be a good nfl player number two i have cj henderson out of florida uh 6'1 202 pounds he is a very good athlete as well. Played running back growing up in high school. Um, very good NFL-type defense at Florida. Uh, very good at turning out NFL-type prospects as well. And I don't think this guy is going to be any different. Another SEC product. I mean, my list is just peppered with them. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, when you want to see the best, you, you go to the conference that can routinely dominates. Um, you have the best wide out, so you're going to see the best um, corners trying to cover them. Um, so another guy who has a tackling as something is like, Hey, is this something he's going to do consistently? Um, yeah, but I'm a big fan of his ability, man coverage, great athlete. I, th I think he's going to be up there. Um, I have him CJ Henderson at two. Yeah. And to me, I think there is some separation between, um, one and two on this board and the rest of the field um, and between one and two <laughs> because yeah. to me um, I have CJ Henderson at two as well um, you know I think he's going to be really good at the next level in fact you know he's a guy who could be a borderline pro bowl player for for a long time and, and maybe develop into even more but uh, the guy at the top I think is one of the best corner prospects we've seen in a long long time and that's Jeffrey Okuda uh, from Ohio State. I'm, I'm sure that's who you have, Tom, right? Yes. Yeah. Okuda does everything exactly how you'd want him to do it. Um, how many pass interference calls or holding calls do you think Okuda had against him this season? I'm going to guess zero. 0.0. 0. <laughs> um, 
six foot one, two oh five. He sticks to guys. Uh, people don't make catches against him. Um, he has every physical tool that you would want, including the explosiveness, that closing speed. Um, you know, like what are the knocks on him? You know, maybe he, you know, could maybe zone isn't his best thing right now. You know, maybe he doesn't have the best eyes for it and understand where he needs to be. Um, I think the maybe one, he doesn't, you know, contain against the run very well and attack upfield. The one thing I've seen a couple times is a little bit of con, um, consistency. He seems to be one of these guys we talked about um, last week where he's so much better than most of the guys he's going up against. Yeah. Um, and because of that, they don't throw it his way often. So every once in a while, you can catch him where he's let his guard down. Yeah. Now, is that a thing he's going to take with him to the NFL? Probably not. These guys yeah. know that the level's up. Most of them step up to it as well. Um, but it is one thing I've seen a couple times where they're talking about how he's just kind of maybe going through the motions on a first and ten, and, oh, wow, a guy caught a seven-yard pass against him. Right. Still not getting burned by any stretch of the imagination, but maybe shouldn't have even let up that that little catch. Um uh, but if that's your worst trait uh, as we're coming into the draft, I think you're going to do well. Um, he seems to be a great person all in all. Um, have some really uh, heartfelt moments in um, lost some family members and had a letter uh, released by Texas A&M uh, from where his sister uh, was going to school and thanking them for taking good care of her. So just all in all, a really good person, it seems. Um, and just a very amazing prospect in the NFL. Absolutely. Um, that's a wrap for wide receivers and corners. And um, before our first break here, I just want to say thank you to our first sponsor, Lion Global. Um, we're going to hear a word from them now, and then Tom, will, Tom and I will be back with uh, NFL team needs and a preview of our big boards. We'll be right back with you. Are you a business owner looking to ramp up your online presence, websites, social media, video, and more? Lion Global can either do it for you, show you how to do it yourself by doing it with you, or completely run your entire online footprint. And we guarantee a 200% ROI or you don't pay us to help you. Get a free 30-minute strategy session to increase your business's revenue at lionglobal.com. That's lionglobal.com. We are back. Thank you once again to our newest sponsor, Lion Global. Um, our friends over there doing some great work here. Um, and I know that uh, they're willing to work well without the outside the Western New York area. So, um, you know, their, their capability is endless. So uh, thanks again to the team over there. And um, now we're going to get into some NFL team needs. Yes, we're going to do the NFL team needs. Um, we're going to be going division by division. Um, we are going to... Um, actually, the Draft Network, I uh, need to give them a little bit of a shout-out. They have a team needs page, and it was really, really well done. It has each team by division. It has their primary needs, secondary, things they don't need. It's all on there for you. Um, so if you want to check it out and kind of see maybe who's drafting around you and your favorite team and maybe what they might be looking at, uh, I definitely recommend that tool. Um, Let's so kick it off with the Chicago Bears in the NFC North. Um alphabetical it seems by the uh, uh the order we're not going to go by position in the division or anything like that but um chicago bears um primary needs interior offensive line cornerback and safety um also some needs at tackle 
um, potentially quarterback. Who knows? I mean, they might pick somebody later in the draft there. Um, maybe some wide receiver help and some edge help. Um, but I have a hard time looking at edge early with them with the yeah. attack that they have with Quinn and Mac right now coming off the edges. So yeah. um, talk about uh, a little bit about their interior line right now, Tom. What's that depth chart look like for them? So they have Cody hair or white hair at center. Um, I think he's solid. Uh, but Kansas you, State kid a couple years back. When you look at the two guards, you have um, James Daniels, who was a second-round pick in 2018. At uh, left guard and at right guard, they have Rashad Coward, um, who was a, a free agent signing in 2017. Um, Bears' first selection is not till 43. Correct. Uh, no first-round pick. So, you know, I would look for maybe somebody like Tyler Biotis here at this point. Um, Lloyd Cushenberry. Um, if you plan on transitioning him to guard, Damian Lewis. Um, so there are going to be some options that will be on the board at that point in time for them. Yeah, if, if that's what they decide is their number one need, um, that's definitely going to be something there. Also, corner is something they have listed as a need as well. And um, they do have one corner who I'm, I I think is a pretty good football player here. Let me get this to work. Um, in uh, Kyle Fuller, but their other corner, um, Artie Burns. Um, He's been a veteran journeyman. Yeah. Spent definitely. time with the Steelers. Yes. Definitely somebody who could be upgraded, I think, on that side. Um, I'm just not sure at 43 you're going to get a plug-in replacement for him, but you might be able to look to the future and get somebody there who can transition maybe halfway through the season or somewhere. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think quarterback something they're going to draft early. They have Trubisky already, and they have Nick Foles um, j- just required. I'm sure they're going to give the two of them a, a pretty good shake at it. Yeah. Um, next, the Detroit Lions. Uh, biggest needs, primary needs, cornerback, interior D-line, and edge rusher. Um, they draft third in the first round here. Um, I would not be surprised if we see either uh, Jeff Okuda, if they stand pat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Okuda makes a ton of sense there. So does Derek Brown. Um, I'd love Derek Brown in this draft. Yeah. Um, will they go interior D line that early? I'm not sure, but I think that it's a definite possibility for them at three. Yeah, I think the it's really wide open for them. Maybe even to pick the best defensive player, Isaiah um, Simmons. Yeah, they may they may be able to just say, hey, this is the best, most impactful defensive player. Let's take him. Um, obviously, the strength of this team over the years has been that offense. You look at the offense. There's really no glaring needs where you're like, oh man, they have to get something better there. Yeah, um, could upgrade it. Re- I mean, could add another receiver here in this draft at some point with such a deep class. Yeah, but I, think, uh, but I don't see that until like round three, maybe. Right. I mean, you have Galladay, Marvin Jones, Emma Dola, Geronimo Ellison, Victor Bolden Jr. So I mean, you have guys there. Yeah. Um, but I think defense is definitely the way they'll go. Uh, it's just who's who's highest on their board. Where do they want to go? They they did just pick up Jamie Collins, so maybe that's something that you know takes uh, Williams off your board and makes you lean more towards a Brown or a Cuda. Right. Um, so for me, uh, you know, I think Okuda makes the most sense in the world for them at three. But uh, moving on to the Packers, um, biggest needs wide receiver and tight end. Uh, they pick at thirty in the first round. Yeah. So. Wide receiver is going to be there. There's going to be somebody there. and Or they could look to take the first tight end off the board. You know, Cole Komet could be a nice fit there. Went to Notre Dame, played in that Midwest. You know, he would probably be beloved in that in that small town community that they have in Green Bay. Um, he might make sense at 30. Yeah, I mean, I think that would be a bit of a reach, but it's definitely something they might be able to talk themselves into. Um, do we get the fifth, sixth, seventh wide receiver, or do we take the number one tight end? Right. Um you know, this team is a team that's in win-now mode with Aaron Rodgers, you know, aged, 
Is that is that okay to say? Yeah. Uh, with him aged as he is, uh, you know, you're trying to win now. So you want players that can help that right now. And we've seen tight ends come in their rookie year and make make a big impact. Um, right now they they have Mercedes Lewis as their number one tight end. Definitely could add to that. Yeah, I mean, I don't see that as being the uh, the answer for them long term. Um, all right, uh, Minnesota Vikings uh, corner, wide receiver, and edge rusher um, all seem to be options for them here. Um, having lost um, the dude that's still on the market right now, uh, Everson Griffin, Everson Griffin, uh, no longer there to rush the passer. Uh, lost Stephon Diggs, lost. Um, their top corner Xavier Rhodes Xavier Rhodes yeah. um, and they select at 22 they actually have a couple picks in the first round if I'm not mistaken 22 and 25 yeah so I mean they, they definitely have a chance to plug a few holes if you will um, and it, it'll be interesting to see where they go defense offense which one and you know the good thing is that the two classes that we covered tonight are the two needs that they have, and they're both two of the deepest classes that we have right. in this draft. So they should be able to plug some of those holes for sure. If, you know, somebody starts sliding from the wide receiver group, um, you know, whoever they have ranked highest behind those top three or four, um, you know, you never know. T. Higgins could be there um, to kind of fill the role of Stephon Diggs. Um, you could also have C.J. Henderson. Who knows if he slides down that far or – you know, whoever they have ranked as their third and fourth best corners on their board. Yeah. So there's going to be plenty of value for them with those picks at 22 and 25. Yeah, I also think this is a team that um, may be interesting to see if they make a move up the board with one of those picks. Maybe package one of those picks with a couple mid-round picks to move up a little bit um, to try to get one of these guys that they're high on at one of those positions. That Again, this is a team that has a lot of pieces in place to go for it right now. So um, you may see them take a swing. Yeah, what if Lamb, Ruggs, or Judy start slipping a little bit in this draft and they say, hey, we'll we'll package uh, 22 and 25 to move up to uh, 12 with Las Vegas and uh, we'll take Jerry Judy off the board right there in front of San Francisco or Henry Ruggs off the board in front of San Francisco. I mean, that's that's a, a prime spot for Las Vegas if somebody's in need of a wide receiver because San Francisco is probably going to go after one here early. Yeah. NFC South. We have the Buccaneers of Tampa. Yeah, and the Buccaneers' uh, largest need shows is offensive tackle. Um, makes a ton of sense. You want to protect your your new uh, shiny new asset in the backfield that you have. Um, if you can protect Tom Brady with the weapons that are around him, it could be a it could be a really formidable offense down there. Um, so yeah. that's the fact they pick at fourteen. Yep. Um, probably one of the there, there are five great tackles in this draft if you ask me there are five that stand out above everybody else and one of those five is still going to be there yeah at least one of them yeah so which one are you going to take you know that's right. to me i think that them taking tackle at 14 is one of the biggest locks that we have in this draft coming up yeah and then if there's multiple tackles again they may be one of those teams looking to backpedal a little bit um, willing to drop down a few spots if there's multiple tackles on the board at 14. Yeah, maybe Atlanta wants to move up two spots and give them a couple of picks later on. Maybe Dallas wants to jump up a few spots. Maybe Miami sees that there are only two good tackles left and says, hey, let me package something, get up to 14, and uh, get one of these couple of good tackles that are left on the board. Um, so it, it's a, I think that tackle is so likely for them at that spot because I don't think running back is going to be taken that early, and that seems to be their other right. glaring need. In the 
Atlanta Falcons are next. They have uh, they have four needs listed here: cornerback, interior defensive line, edge, and running back. Um, Atlanta picks sixteen in the first round. Um, so C.J. Henderson, you know, makes sense there. Interior D line is Javon Kinlaw still on the board when they get up? They're going to have to because they have enough needs. They're going to be able to take a wait-and-see approach in this draft and see what comes to them. Yeah, I really think edge is the biggest thing for them. Um, Allen Bailey at one defensive end and Takaris McKinley at the other. Not exactly inciting fear in you. Yeah, Tack McKinley's had some flashes of greatness, mm-hmm. but you know he's also had some inconsistency and I think a little bit of injury trouble in his career. So um, is there somebody on the edge that they really love there? I mean, uh, Galevon Chason? still yeah. at that point i mean um so they're like i said it's all going to be about how that board really falls in front of them and i think they have the luxury of being patient and seeing who's there uh before making a decision they're not they're not going to be locked on on one or one particular target i don't think um panthers of carolina yeah uh interior defensive line help corner linebacker interior offensive line help um, so, you know, they've got some work to do. Um, Carolina selects seven, right? Yeah, yeah, seven. If Derek Brown's on the board, it's a no-brainer, in my opinion. If Derek Brown slips to seven, that's going to be the Panthers' selection, I have to believe. Yeah, I imagine at seven you have you'll probably have a couple defensive um, interior defensive linemen in that area where there will be – is is Ken, yeah? Are they willing to go with Kinlaw at that spot too? Right. So even if Brown's off the board, they could go Kinlaw. Um, there's not somebody that's going to plug and play Luke Keekley's position for them no. in this draft. I don't see a, a middle linebacker that's like that here. So that's not a position I'd expect them to do that with. They also maybe um, I was reading it, uh, earlier they might be transitioning more to a three-four look as well. So they might not need that exact role filled. They're, they're gonna be kind of transitioning which a lot of times you see there's a lot of um turnover on a team that's transitioning from one style of defense to the other so it'll be interesting to see if they address that right away with some guys that they think are going to help them yeah absolutely um new orleans saints um they have needs at linebacker uh cornerback and wide receiver um maybe quarterback as well um with drew Brees being back for two more years but it sounds like Taysom hill Wants to be a, a QB1 somewhere. Is he going to – I mean, I don't know. I don't know if, if that's the guy that you want to be your 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 quarterback that's being groomed for that moving forward. New Orleans picks at 24 in the first round. Um, Patrick Queen could be a, a viable choice there at linebacker for them at that point. Um, plenty of corners available at that time. Um, you know, so, so there are some really good options that could be available to them at 24. All right. NFC East, Tom? NFC East. Let's start with the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys' biggest need is showing his cornerback, edge, safety, and interior line. So, you know, it seems like their their big concern is on the defensive side of the ball. They're, sure. They're a pretty good team on the offensive side of the ball. Um, uh, cornerback, they lost Byron Jones, so they need to replace him in some way. Um, Dallas is selecting at 17 in this draft. Um, you know, I, I think it's all about another team that can kind of read the board and see what's there. 
Um, the, yeah, I think uh, when you look at their defensive line, it's fine for this season. I don't think you have any concern. Demarcus Lawrence, Gerald McCoy, Don Terry Poe, and Tyrone Crawford. There's nothing there that's that's a big weakness. It's all of these guys are up there in age for the most part. Lawrence not so much, but the other three um, are getting to that point where you're going to need to replace them, and you're going to need to do it cheaply as they're spending a ton of money with their big three on offense. So getting a cheap replacement here uh, is smart, which isn't always the Cowboys style. Um, it's not as flashy, but a, a good defensive lineman that can come in and fill one of those roles, maybe, you know, work in this year and then be the guy next year. You know I who I like you. for Dallas? A.J. Epinesa. Yeah. I think Epinesa is kind of what they... Just a solid, steady. Yeah, solid, steady. You know what you're going to get out of him. He's going to come in. He's not going to be the, you know, 14, 15 sack guy for you. But you already have that in Lawrence. So. You do, and you've got a, a really good linebacking group behind that. Yeah. So if he's setting the edge well and forcing guys into running lanes for, you know, Jalen Smith and those guys to uh, Leighton Vander Esch uh, to, you know, close and, and tackle – I I think that that's a really smart fit there. Yeah. Not sure if they'll make it, but to me, that's a really nice choice for them. I think corners the way they're gonna end up going. It's it's the biggest need this season right now. Yeah. So yeah. I think for them, that's probably kind of where they'll end but up. But if the but, top two are gone, are you gonna go there? Or are yeah. you gonna go with the edge player that you can really? Because I feel like that drop. We I talked about it already. That cornerback drop off between two and then the rest of that group. Do they go with Christian Fulton at 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 seventeen? If Henderson and Okuda – Okuda's going to be gone. There's no doubt about that. But right. it's all about how soon Henderson goes after that. So, you know, if he happens to fall here, great landing spot. But I don't think he'll get by Atlanta at 16 either. Right, right. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, is there any doubt that they need a freaking wide receiver there? <laughs> uh, no. I think it's the worst receiving core in the NFL. The great tight ends. Love their tight ends. Love their tight ends. Like their running back group. Yeah. Sanders, Boston Scott. They're, they're definitely a, a one-two punch that can and, make some noise. And I'm a fan of Carson Wentz. He's, he's been maligned at times, but I really like Carson Wentz. Get him some freaking weapons on the outside there. And I love their defensive line again. I mean... Yeah. Eric Barnett, Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, and Brandon Graham. What a nightmare to deal with those guys. Philadelphia picks at 21. Yeah. Um, I mean, who knows what receiver is going to be available there. If T. Higgins is on the board, could be a good pick for them there. He could be the kind of guy they're looking for. Um, but they need all kinds of receivers on that team. They're not going to take just one in this draft. Yeah. I think wide receiver is something, that, like you said, they'll hit a couple times. It may, and a linebacker is the other one that really kind of stands out. Nathan Jerry, TJ Edwards, and Duke Riley are right now their their starting three linebackers, and I mean, that's their weakest. If they're point. not in love with one of the receivers in the in round one, they can absolutely go with like Patrick Queen or one of the one of the linebackers that really yeah. fits here for them. And it really seems like all three of those guys could be upgraded. Terrell Lewis, yeah, you know somebody like that in that position. Um, you could plug those guys in at linebacker and make a ton of sense for Philadelphia and uh, then address wide receiver moving forward because it's such a deep class with so many different types of athletes in yeah. that position. They, they they cleaned up the corner with Darius Slay and Roby Coleman, so it's not something yeah. that they're really corner was. I, I, I like that group now. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah, you still have Avante Maddox, Darius Slay, and then Coleman probably playing the nickel corner. Is yeah, he excels at that position. No um, so I think you you took a, a need in corner and they've wiped that out in free agency. Yeah. Um, next on the board, the New York Football Giants, uh, picking number four overall. Do we have enough time to go over all their needs? Is that? I I don't think we do. I I is there any position that's not listed? Oh, it says don't need interior D line. Jeez, Derek Brown's going to be there. Javon Kinlaw is going to be there. What a shame. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, a non need for them. Um, they're in a prime position to trade down. If you ask me, if somebody wants to jump in front of Miami to take a quarterback, this is a, this is a perfect landing spot for that. If they can talk themselves out of the big lumbering tackle. Right. Well. To me, <laughs> there are so many of those offensive tackles that are really close this year. There are five of them that are really close. Yeah. I think sometimes when you get in the top four, you know kind of how the top couple are going to go. So you're looking at, okay, these three, two or three guys are gone. Who do we like that's left? And sometimes because of that, you get hooked on that guy, though. Yeah. And, you you know, some of those trades that make way more sense may not be what you're looking at because, you know, hey – I've already, I'm I'm confident in this guy. Maybe we should just take him. Dave Gettleman is so unpredictable as a general manager that I wouldn't be surprised if he if he just stands pat and goes with Mackay Becton. Yeah. Uh, he goes, oh, this guy's huge. He's awesome. He he runs people over in the run game. You know, we got Saquon Barkley, and I'm not saying that's a bad pick. Right. Uh, I'm saying you got to field all the offers though. <laughs> yeah, they do got Nate Solder now on, at left tackle, so. You know, that right tackle is where you're talking about. Right now they have Cameron Fleming listed as their, their starting it's right Jedrick tackle. Jedrick Wills make more sense and plug him in at right tackle until Solder moves on. Or, yeah. Um, you know. Definitely some options there. Wide receiver, though, is pretty pretty bad, too. Yeah. I think Golden Tate is solid, but I don't know if he's a number one. I don't think you select the number one wide receiver at four. So, again, another smart move would be <laughs> trading back and just kind of <laughs> picking up the number one receiver at seven. Yeah. Eight, if you can get back there. Yeah. I mean, Arizona's probably not going to move up that far, but Jacksonville might. Right. Jacksonville might say, we love Tua. We're going to jump up and take Tua. Although I did in smokescreen season, so take it all with a grain of salt. I saw two G, uh, GMs come out, and uh, one was Jacksonville saying they're excited about giving Gardner Minshew a whole season, and then the Chargers saying that they're excited and plan on using Tyrod for multiple seasons as their starter. So. Take yeah. it with a grain of salt. It is smokescreen season, but the talking has begun. Yeah. Um, next, the Washington Redskins. Their primary need is edge rusher, and how fitting that the best best graded edge rusher um, in some time is going to be available to them at two, more than likely. Yeah, it's crazy to me that they have that. I mean, Montez Sweat and Ryan Kerrigan are a solid group of edge rushers already. I think that Chase Young's ability just – supersedes that i mean it's gonna be tough to talk yourself out of drafting him honestly uh i don't know i don't think that's their number one need it's weird to me to have that i think with trent williams leaving i think offensive tackle is a bigger need yeah they've lost but you're, i don't think they're gonna go you, you can't pat unless you can trade down two or three spots right and i mean your your left tackles cornelius lucas and your right tackles morgan moses now uh Definitely sounds like if you're going with a young quarterback in Dwayne Haskins, you might want to get him some protection. Um, <laughs> be a nice. Does move. Washington have another pick in the first round? No. 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 And they don't have their pick in the second round. Yuck. 
boy, they're not in a good spot. They're they're gonna get one stud player, and that so they pick at two, and then sixty six. So not good. No, not not good. I mean, this, this and, and so so in that situation, Tom, isn't it isn't it just you you've got to just take. That best. best player available yep. and and deal with the consequences and try to plug holes how you can maybe Lucas Niang or somebody falls uh, to sixty six and yeah I mean you definitely take the best player available I think anytime you're that high in the draft anyways and then if you have to move somebody else you move somebody else maybe maybe you can move Kerrigan at this stage of his career and still get an asset back that helps you next year in the draft I've been putting together a concept in my mind about uh, best player position of need. And, and creating a chart that kind of merges. I, that, I'm sure that's not rocket science for these guys that work in scouting departments, but I would like to see some kind of visual representation of how you, how, what percentage you put need versus how great the, the best player is, and then the drop-off between yeah. the, the best player and the next player at position of need. I think that's and, the biggest thing, the drop-off you know yeah a lot of times so yeah you could take chase young but how much or or you could take one of the tackles and either one's going to help your team but how much better is chase young than that first tackle off the board right exactly and and how much more impact does the edge rusher position have than yeah. uh plugging the hole at, at tackle would have for you so yep. it's a it's definitely a tricky thing to try and balance that and you know these these guys that work in these scouting departments they deserve a lot of kudos for um, first off, you got to have the balls to pull the trigger on somebody at yeah. some point. And when you're picking, the earlier you pick in the draft, the more risk there is. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of risk, and it's always easy to say um, you blew that pick. It's not, you know, if somebody makes a good pick at three, well, yeah. you should have. You were the third pick. Yeah. You know, but if you blow it, they're like you had the third pick and you blew it. So right. there's definitely a lot more pressure there. Yeah. Um, NFC West. Yeah, San Francisco 49ers. Primary needs corner, wide receiver, interior O-line, interior D-line. Uh, San Francisco picks at 13. And 31 in the first and round. And 31, yeah. Uh, so two picks in the first round. Interesting to me, like, uh, I've been, I follow a couple of uh, San Francisco beat writers leading up to the Super Bowl. I started, you know, picking them up to try to see what their, uh, what their takes were on the team leading up to the Super Bowl. Um they're they're all in on wide receiver in San Francisco really? at thirteen. They are all in. Like the the all the beat writers are they think that it's going to be a huge mistake if they go away anywhere but wide receiver because they think one of the top three is going to be available at thirteen. Yeah, I think if you have them separated that way, that makes sense. But I'm not so sure that number one or number two or number two corner I think might still be on the board there. And if you have the number two corner and then can pick a wide receiver again at thirty one. There's a lot less of a drop off from wide receiver three and five than there is from corner two and three. Yeah, yeah. So I think if you have that chance to get that second corner and put him on the other side of Richard Sherman, uh, that's pretty nasty and helps strengthen an, an already already strong defense. And then again, we keep talking about it. This wide receiver draft is so deep. Yeah, you're gonna get a guy who can go on the other side of Debo Samuel in the second round if you want to. Absolutely. And um, I I find it hard to if you if Henderson's on the board at thirteen, yeah, I, I find it hard to pass him by. Yeah, I absolutely. really do. I've got him rated that highly in comparison to receivers because of just what we were talking about. That drop off is not as steep right. at the wide receiver position. You're going to get talented guys. Can you? I mean, you could add Lavisca Chenault at thirty one. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a great football player. Yeah. There, there are guys that are going to be there. So um, tough tough choice to make in San Francisco. They're, these are the tricky picks, in my opinion, where you've got some super talented guys that have fallen a little bit and may not be your biggest position of need. That's the other tricky part. Now, what if Javon Kinlaw is still on the board somehow? It, it, they've got interior D-line as a need for San Francisco. Yeah. You've got to forget about corner and wide receiver, right? Because the kid's too talented. He's too much of an impact player. How is anybody going to do anything with Bosa coming off the edge and Kinlaw stepping in there to replace Buckner, who they just let walk? Uh, God, these guys got their work cut out for them. Uh, Arizona Cardinals. Offensive tackle seems to be their biggest need. Uh, Edge rusher and linebacker. Um, Offensive tackle, there's going to be somebody there. Uh, there'll be an option for them to fill that. Yeah, they're Ed, drafting at eight, so there, yeah. there should definitely be some people available um, as at either one, really, um, edge rusher or offensive tackle. Um, at eight, you should be able to get really good value um, at eight too, because I think I think you'll see you know some of these quarterbacks go and they knock some of these guys who probably who may be better down a couple. So yeah, um, the thing about edge rusher is I don't think that one slots in like around eight. In yeah. this draft, I think that it goes Chase Young, who's you know a top three talent. He's number two on my big board. Um, then it falls off to Caleb on Chason for me, who's you know going to be in the teens. Right. So it, it's it, I think that you're <laughs> going to have a hard time picking one at eight when you've got offensive tackles who are you know really really good. You've got Jones, Wills, Werfs, Thomas, and Becton. All five of those guys are worthy of being in the top 20 in this on the big board in, in general. Yeah, and Arizona is an interesting team. Um, they have a lot of weapons now, obviously. when you're, I mean, they're wide receivers. Larry Fitzgerald, DeAndre Hopkins, and Christian Kirk. It's a pretty good group of three. Um, Max Williams I like at tight end even. I think he's fun. Yeah. Um, Drake, Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds at running back. And obviously Kyler Murray pulling the trigger. Like that offense is a lot of fun. If you can get a tackle in there to shore up the offensive line and give you some peace of mind there, uh, I think you're in for a lot of a fun season for them. Yeah, I mean, there there's so much talent that's going to be available to them at eight right. that I, I don't think that they can really make a huge mistake here. Um, you know, I, I think the best option though is going to be to make sure that you keep people off Kyler Murray, give him the time that he needs to to find those open receivers and there are going to be plenty of them in right. that, in that new scheme. And, and um, I think Kenyon Drake actually is the perfect fit at running back for them with, with Chase Edmonds backing him up. So uh, they're, in, they're in a nice spot moving forward. Um, Los Angeles Rams uh, linebacker, edge rusher, cornerback, interior offensive line um, LA. Do they have a first round pick? I don't, no, they get they, they do not have it. Yeah, they do not have a first round pick. They first pick is at fifty two for the Rams. So, um, edge rusher might be you know well, as a Bills fan, I'm looking at my first pick being fifty four, and edge rusher is something that I really want the Bills to take. When you get to fifty four, there's not a lot of impactful. Guys, you're really taking a chance, I think, at that spot. Julian Aquara, Josh yeah. Uche, Curtis Weaver, Terrell right. Lewis, that kind of, yeah, that type of group. Jonathan Greenard. And, and out of that group of five or six, two or three of them are going to be good pros. Mm-hmm. 
it's just really more up in the air which two or three of that six is going to be a really good pro. So, I mean, you definitely can go that way. Um, another sneaky need to watch for them is might be running back. Uh, Daryl Henderson and Malcolm Brown now that Gurley's gone, that may be something they want to address second or third round. Um, it's going to be tough without a first-round pick because they do have some holes on the defense that need to be plugged if they want to be contenders, especially in this West, which is super competitive. The Niners and Seahawks obviously being very good. The Cardinals, a team on the rise. You're going to need to play some good defense. So with so many holes on that side, you really, you know, it's very disadvantageous. You know, <laughs> they're, they're seems, not doing well not having a first-round pick seems, right now. Seems like they're going to want to um, get a downhill type runner in that offense. That's what yeah. it seems like they like. Not really a scat back type. Somebody more that's going to get downhill with some steam. Does AJ Dillon come off the board here? Does uh, I, I, Jonathan I, Taylor, if he's there, I think makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, I think um, if you're if Zach you, Moss. If you get to the second and they have one of those top three running backs, I think it might be hard for them to pass up. But they should because they're they need way more help on defense than offense. Yeah. Their offense is good enough right now that they can get a, a running back at a later date and pair him with Henderson and Brown and put together a solid backfield. Um, but they need help on defense. Wait, what number do they pick at? Fifty-two. Uh, oh, good, you get to pick their their pick in the <laughs> second round, not me. I do. <laughs> Seahawks. Seattle. Edge rusher. Presumably. We'll see when Clowney signs if it's that changes. Right. That seems to be the big question mark that's hanging out there still. But that's going to happen after the draft now. It seems that way, yeah. That's going to happen after the draft. So if they don't address Edge, you got to assume that it's because they intend to make a big push for Clowney after the draft. That it, You know, if they don't address it early on. Uh, th- that's just the way that, you know, this is going to shape out in my mind. So with my thought process, with, with everything that I've heard, is that they are the number one contender still for uh, Clowney. Right. And then they have other needs at interior O-line and offensive tackle. Um, Wide receiver, potentially, interior D-line. So, you know, the the best – Cesar Ruiz is going to be there at at 27, 27, more than likely. Is this the first time that you look for him to come off the board? Yeah, it might be. I think that um, they've needed O-line help for years. (laughs) Uh, it seems every time you watch a game of the Seahawks, Russell Wilson's trying to run around for his life. Um, they've seemed to have boosted this offense recently, though. Um, Lockett's been solid. Metcalf looks like he's going to be a solid football player. They picked up Phil Dorsett to give him a little bit of speed. Their running backs in Carson and Penny are really good, solid running backs. Um, they just got Greg Olson at tight end. So I think there's a lot of additions in the last couple of years to really boost this offense. The next thing, the big thing missing right now is some steady offensive line play. So there, look for this on draft day. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm saying there's a history of, of trades between uh, New Orleans and Seattle. If one of the top five tackles is still on the board when New Orleans is on the clock at 24, do not be surprised if Seattle calls them to jump Miami and Minnesota to get the last of the five good tackles that stand out in this draft. I, I can just I, I can just feel that coming already as a Dolphins fan. Like I'm sitting here <laughs> with a knot in my stomach going, oh my God, Josh Jones is still there. 24 is up. Just no New Orleans, no Minnesota, Miami's going to get him. And then 
we have a trade. Seattle jumps up and takes. You know that yeah. I, that just seems like a couple of teams that work together, and it seems like there are some teams in the NFL that are are better at working with each other in trades. So don't be surprised if they make a jump in this draft to get one of the top five O tackles. All right, let's do AFC. AFC North. The Bengals of Cincinnati. They have lots of needs. Um, quarterback being the primary one. And they are drafting number one overall. And they're drafting Joe Burrow by all accounts. Yes. Um, it doesn't seem like they're going to trade out of the spot. It doesn't seem like it makes sense for them. Even though with all of their needs, they could trade down with Miami, maybe get all three of Miami's first-round picks. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? I think but, the, the big one for them is in the second round. Um, picking first in the second round, you have all night to sit and think about it. And which I, edge rusher? Which interior, yeah. interior? Is Cesar Ruiz still on the board at 33? Mm-hmm. Is... Uh, did Yatur Gross Matos fall out of the first round? There, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different options. It says has them listed as wide receiver as a need. I'm not a fan of that as a need I for them. I don't see it as much. But no. O-Tackle, absolutely, I think, is yeah. a need. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what as You know, the good thing is picking first in the second round, you have all the other picks done. You can go home, regroup, talk about it, figure out what you want to do. Yeah, um, you you know you have the luxury of that's not- a huge luxury. It, yeah. it, the way that the draft is formatted now, remember Saturday morning draft starting at noon, <laughs> yeah. all seven rounds yeah. runs all day long. Way different now. You get some more preparation time as the team that's picking first in the first round and the second round. You know that's big. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, all expectations are Joe Burrow in round one, and then 33 is where it gets interesting. Um, you know, I'm going to be able to sit back and, and look at the board after round one. I think we'll take a quick break at that point when we're doing our live mock next week. Um, but it, you know, between rounds one and two, and then jump right back, and I'll be, uh, I'll, I'll have some fun here with uh, whoever's the best available player really you know yeah anybody could stand out to you and be a need for them they have one two three four five six seven eight they have nine positions of need the only ones they show that they don't need are safety and running back you know running back they seem set yeah um and everything else it seems like you could pick whoever the best player available is at that point and it might be a follow your board kind of thing who fell absolutely uh, next is the browns from cleveland they have o tackle safety linebacker listed is um, they're big needs. They uh, are drafting 10th. Nice little spot for them to draft, 10th overall. Um, what do you see there? Yeah, so Cleveland's uh, tackle, safety, linebacker, all needs. Uh, drafting at 10. Do they go? Do they just try to protect Baker Mayfield at this point? With... Yeah, I mean, they went and signed Jack Conklin this offseason, which yeah. was uh, an expensive signing. So you're, you shored up that right tackle spot. Do you is, is one of the left tackles available at ten that you love? Yeah. I mean, if so, that's a no brainer. Put him there. You have Conklin, who's who's a solid right tackle in the NFL, um, definitely Pro Bowl material, and compare that with a good left tackle. Now you're quarterback safe. You got all those weapons. Um, you know, it makes a lot of sense. If if Becton happened to be there at ten, I don't think they pass him up. You get a mauler like that at left tackle and uh, hand the ball to Nick Chubb. Baker Mayfield's not going to have to do that much. And, you know, they disappointed so much last year based on expectation yeah. that I like Cleveland to rebound well this year. Um, I think the change in leadership there was much needed, and I think they're going to be much better off moving forward. But I think if there's a, a tackle that they're in love with, they, they can absolutely go there, or they could 
I think they're in a good spot because all three of their major needs, they could have a huge asset fall to them at 10. So one of those tackles, you know, we're talking about the top four or five tackles are all really good. At least two of them are probably going to be there, probably three or four. Um, Linebacker, I mean, we're talking right now their starters are Willie Harvey, Sion Takataki, and Mac Wilson are their starting linebackers. All three of them could be improved. So if one of these, if you're in love with Murray or Queen and they're there, you could pull the trigger. Um, and then safety, Carl Joseph and Andrew um, Sandejo definitely could be improved as well. Um, Xavier McKinney is going to be there probably. Yeah, I Do mean, they so, take the best safety in the in the draft right there? So you have a spot where you are you're, have three needs, and the odds are there's going to be players that address all three of them for Cleveland. They're kind of yeah. sitting in the catbird seat watching everyone else fight over wide receivers and, and quarterbacks, quarterbacks just yeah. going, come to Papa. Right. So, um, you know, just, you know, that's my first time going through the Cleveland process in my head, but it just seems like they are in prime situation to fill one of those needs immediately at 10 um, without having to do anything, just sit there and wait. Baltimore Ravens. Good on you, Cleveland. Yeah, absolutely. Baltimore Ravens, linebacker and interior liner listed as their primary needs. Uh, Baltimore selects at 28. Um, I'm putting them on Cesar Ruiz watch. <laughs> I think that that makes a ton of sense for them. Uh, Patrick Queen seems like somebody that fits there. Uh, and for Jennings, I think that they like Alabama prospects historically. Um, yeah. There are going to be good choices there for them because their positions of need are not high priority positions in the draft currently. Sure. So everybody else is going to have positions flying off the board. They're going to be able to fill their spots with maybe the top player or the, the top two or three players from that position group in this draft. How many wide receivers do you think the Ravens draft in this year's draft total? I don't know, but they should probably take a couple. I Exactly. Yeah. Um, Marquise Brown is exciting, fun player. I'm not sure he's ever going to be a number one wide receiver. He seems to be that second guy who has, who brings the speed. Yeah. I still feel like they need, and then you got Willie Sneed, Miles Boykin. You have some guys that are good NFL players, but you don't really have that second. Right. You don't have that great option there. And their tight ends, they use them probably better than anyone in the NFL right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so again, when you're a team as good as the Ravens were last year, you really can just kind of play it to the safe to the vest and take the safe, smart pick and, uh, just take what comes to you. Absolutely. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, interior D-line, interior O-line. So it seems like they need to build from the inside out on that group. Um, Pittsburgh's first pick they gave away to obtain Minka Fitzpatrick. That was the 18th overall pick, which Miami now holds. And uh, they select at 49. Um, so at 49... You could still get one of the good interior D-line or O-line yeah, prospects. Absolutely. Again, another team that has uh, positions of need that are not high-priority picks in the draft generally. And the interior D-line is very deep again this year. We talked yeah. about them a couple weeks ago. So that really gives them a chance to sit and wait. Um, obviously, playing a 3-4, their need at nose tackle is a little different than a lot of the top prospects as well. So they, yeah. they may be able to get someone a little different. Do they land with like Ross Blacklock or Justin Matabuke here in the on the yeah. interior D line? Marlon Davidson, you know, one of those guys that's, you know, really talented interior D line player that's that's still on the board in the second round. So yeah, um, actually, let's take a quick break, Tom. What about, what about um, Leaky Fotu from Utah? Just a big nose, nose tackle, tackle, just stuff things up up inside. Yeah, yeah uh, that makes sense too. If, he, if he's there in the second round, that might be a good pick for them. Yeah. 
Um, we're going to take another quick break. Uh, we'll be right back with you after this. We are back with the AFC South. Um, Tom, the Indianapolis Colts, biggest need, wide receiver and quarterback. Do you really see quarterback as an – I mean, is it an early draft need for them? No, I don't, wouldn't necessarily say early. Phil Rivers is there, uh, but he's only there for one year. Yeah. Um, so then you're back to is Jacoby Brissett the guy. Um, so I think if they can get one, maybe second, third round, someone yeah. they like that they can groom behind Rivers, then that would make more sense, but I don't think early. Yeah, so Indianapolis – their first selection is not until the second round, it appears. Buckner. Yeah, they traded for DeForest Buckner. Yeah, 44. So, um, wide receiver and quarterback. There's going to be plenty of wide receivers available. Also, interior O-line, they might want to. I, I mean, obviously not Quentin Nelson, who's awesome. But maybe they want to they want to tighten up at center or uh, right guard. I like Ryan Kelly, too, at center. I mean, yeah. So maybe maybe Mark Lewinsky at, at right guard, but I, none of those are. Oh man, if we don't fix this, we're not going anywhere. Yeah, um, tight end. Uh, they let Ebron go, but uh, they still have Jack Doyle, who's yeah. Not, he's not the, the he's not he's not in the bottom thirty-two. There who, aren't a lot of glaring needs on this team. I think wide receiver is the one. I think yeah. wide, you have Ty Hilton, and then you have a bunch of okay guys after that. Zach Pascal, Paris Campbell. Yeah, so T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell, um, you know, those are nice. Um, yeah, I guess at 44, wide receiver still going to be an option. There are going to be plenty of guys there that you could be interested in, depending on body type and what you're yeah. looking for. Um, if they want a big physical guy, because they don't really have one that stands out right now, mm-hmm. you know, they could they could be looking Michael Pittman there in that spot. You yeah. know, it's – Phillip Rivers comes from a place with some pretty good weapons on his offense, so – um, you certainly, he certainly might want to add another big target, uh, to that repertoire for him. Yeah. Um, Jacksonville Jaguars, um, interior D line cornerback and safety. Um, they don't have quarterback as a primary need, uh, because apparently they are locked in on Gardner Minshew. So, um, interior D line, they, they select nine and 20 and 20. So another team that has a bunch of needs, um, that has multiple picks to fill those needs. Uh, nine, you're probably, again, we're talking about Cleveland at 10. Same conversation with the Jaguars at nine. Uh, a good defensive lineman is going to be there for sure. Um, maybe the top safety in, in the draft will be there at McKinney and probably at least the number probably two Henderson. corner. Yeah. So, I mean, you've got a shot to really fill and fill well one of those big holes on defense. And then at 20, there's going to be people still there, too, to take that Absolutely. are going to be really good players. So I think if you have McKinney at 9, that's the take because, obviously, the D-line and corners are much deeper, and you can get a good another good defensive lineman um, at 20 uh, that will really step in. Plus, I think with Josh Allen on one side and, assumedly, Ngakwe on the other, your interior D-line is not going to be asked to do too much yeah. as far as pass rushing. So yeah, hold your point and uh, stop the run. Absolutely. Um, Houston Texans, uh, largest need is edge. No, no, no. Largest need is GM. Yeah. How about head coach? <laughs> uh, edge, interior D-line. I, I don't like Bill O'Brien in either capacity, by the way. So, <laughs> no, I mean, no. it, like, I, I think he's not good. Um, but definitely he, GM. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Houston doesn't have a first-round pick. Thank you, Bill O'Brien. Um, 
You don't have a first round pick next year either, by the way. So I hope you stink. I hope you're terrible. I hope you go three and 13. Yeah, they get rid of DeAndre Hopkins and still don't have a first round pick. So good job. Yeah. Um, and then what they acquired a second round pick from, uh, Brandon Cook's trade from the Rams. Is that right? Did they get 52 from the Rams? They have 40. The Rams have 52 now. So they have one pick in the second round. I think they got one back for DeAndre Hopkins and traded their original pick to the Rams for Cooks. So they only have 40 in the second round now. Okay. So uh, They need an edge rusher. Uh, they need interior D-line help. Yeah, um, their D-line consists of J.J. Watt right now. Yeah, and I could see you know this being a spot for Ross Blacklock. You know, if, if, if he's not off the board yet. Yeah, I think he's off the board, but. It, maybe. It depends on how much these scouting departments sure. love him. I mean, we love him enough that he'll be off the board. Yeah. But do, do these scouting departments love him enough, or do they fall for the position receivers and let this interior de- defensive lineman fall a little bit? Marlon Davidson, uh, Neville Gallimore, Devon Hamilton. Somebody else has got to come in here and plug in and play on the interior of that D-line. Um, as far as edge rusher, um, what could be available there? Let's see maybe so i think the thing that's different with them again is is we're looking at a three four format so you can get edge rusher at the d end spot opposite of jj watt or at one at the one of the linebacker spots yeah um right now it's strong linebacker they have uh, whitney merciless who's Mm -hmm. not going anywhere um zach cunningham is at the will so you know that may be where you want to move up although they did get it you know, he was a recent draft pick, pretty high. Vanderbilt, you know, yeah. highly rated. I liked him a lot coming out of Vanderbilt. So, you know, I, I think interior defensive line, but again, you're talking a nose tackle type, which is different than a lot of the top D tackles we were talking or about. Or do they earlier. want another guy that matches, uh, you know, J.J. Watt's style there? That's the, I mean, Julian Aquara might be a nice pick if he's still here. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do because uh, Bill O'Brien is crazy. Uh, yeah, and uh, who even wants to predict what they'll do? Yeah, that's true. Uh, Tennessee Titans uh, largest needs edge rusher, interior D line, and offensive tackle. Um, so they they have a lot of the same uh, the same needs uh, that Houston seems to have here. It looks like so. Um, Houston's first pick, I'm sorry, Tennessee's first pick is 29. Yeah. Um, so they're going to be able to address one of those positions there. Um, Maybe a Turgos Matos falls to the spot. They need to fill Cam Wake's third down specialty role. That might be a good spot for Gross Matos early in his career. Um, or um, could you see Chason falling that far? Is that possible? I, no, I don't, I don't think he falls that far. Epinesa? Maybe. Uh, Epinesa seems to match the um, temperament of this team a lot. Yeah. You know, the hardworking, uh, give-it-all-you-got kind of guy. Yeah. Um, so he might be a... A, a fit that way um yeah we'll see i i like i mean I, there's a lot to like about this tennessee team as we move forward here um obviously doing as well as they did last season building off of that they locked in a lot of the pieces um really the only one they lost was right tackle um and conklin moving on but they replaced him with yeah. dennis kelly like right away so yeah um hey let's move to the afc East. something we know a little bit about huh AFC East. Uh, the Buffalo Bills. Do not have a first round pick. Largest pick and largest needs edge rusher, cornerback, and running back. Um, 
So they pick at what? 56, Four. 54, 54. Um, edge rushers available at that time. Maybe Aquara, Curtis Weaver, um, Josh Uche, John Greenard, maybe. Yeah. Zabari, Jabari Zuniga. Right. Uh, somebody like that could come off the edge there. Um, Tom, talk to me about some of the corners that you've looked at for them that you that you see could be slotted in, in that spot. Yeah, so the Bills play a lot of zone defense um, in the secondary, and because of that, they're looking for a bigger, longer corner um, with the ability to come up and, and make tackles. So someone like Bryce Hall um, would be a good fit and maybe available at that point. Um, I like Trevon Diggs. Um, I think it would be interesting to have him and his brother on the same team, but I think he makes that that good zone physical defender um, kind of fit. So, I, you know, we'll see who's available at that point for them. But I definitely think that 54 at corner is someone – it's a corner for them is a weird spot, right? You have Tredavious White on one side. You're not worried about it. On the other side, they've done a lot to try to bring competition in. They had Levi Wallace starter for most of the last two seasons. They brought in EJ Gaines back, who's played there off and on. Um, tons of injuries, pretty good football player when he's healthy, but ton of injuries. And they just picked up Josh Norman um, as well, who played well in this system in Carolina, but's had some really down years in Washington. So I'm not sure if with all those assets already there, they want to jump right in to pick 54, but I'm not sure that's not the best idea for them either. Um, edge rusher makes a lot of sense. A lot of, a lot of elderly men rushing the quarterback for this team. Addison, Hughes, even someone like Trent Murphy. Um, you know, you guys are, they're all 30 plus. So, uh, definitely some youth there would be helpful. How about Jadevian Clowney? Uh, Clowney would be amazing. Um, uh, they would have to make some moves cap wise. Um, not that they're up against the cap, but Clowney's going to eat up a lot of it yeah. and you'd have to make some moves for down the road. So yeah. Well, it'd that, be crazy. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Um, let's move on to the Miami Dolphins, uh, picking 5, 18, and 26 in the first round uh, with needs at quarterback, offensive tackle, interior line, and safety as the primary needs. Also need some edge rushers. Miami had a really nice offseason as far as signing people that they think are going to fit a lot of those roles. I think a lot of the defensive stuff has been taken care of, and now it's going to be about what can you do on the offensive side of the ball. All the reports are that they want to continue with Ryan Fitzpatrick this year, and whoever comes in as the, the rookie quarterback is going to get a redshirt season. Who does that fit perfectly at five? Tua, right? I mean, redshirt him, let him get completely healthy, learn the system in Miami. You start stinking nine, ten games into the season, maybe give him a crack at it to get him some game experience. I think that, that makes all the sense in the world. There are a lot of smoke screens out there right now. Miami doesn't like Tua that much. They're concerned about his medicals. They like Herbert more. Maybe Jordan Love is a possibility here. You know, all of these things are being bandied about right now because Miami is like the, the center of this first round with three first round picks. Um, I think that they're going to try to get one of the top five offensive tackles with one of these picks. Where do they do it? Is it, is it going to be at five? And they just sit on it and, and try to draft Jordan Love at 18. I mean, that's that's a very scary situation for me. Yeah. Do they go with Tua at 5 and then trade those two picks together to jump back up to 10 and, and take somebody in that area? You know, I mean, they're, they're, they have a lot of options. They have 14 picks in this draft. Uh, they have their first round and Houston's first round next year. They have just draft capital out the Yazoo. So... Um, 
I'm excited for this draft as a Dolphins fan. It's, it's as excited as I've been in a long time to see a team overachieve, first of all, this past season, still be picking in a prime spot here, have two extra first-round picks and an extra one next year, too. Uh, this is a situation where the next two drafts determine how good this team is over the next 10 years. And um, I'm all in on Tua. I want Tua there at five. I don't want them to trade up for Tua. Don't give away draft capital uh, to jump up and take a guy who's injury prone. But his ceiling is so high that I want Tua for Miami. Um, I want Josh Jones at 18. I like my ideal, my dream board is like Tua, Josh Jones, best available. You know, maybe Cesar Ruiz at 26. Now all of a sudden you've tightened up that O-line and you've got a nasty quarterback. So um, that's what I see for Miami. Let's talk about the Jets. J-E-T-S. Don't you do that. Suck, suck, suck. All right. <laughs> you, you saved it at the end. Um, so the Jets needs. O-tackle, edge, and wide receiver, as well as interior O-line. Uh, Jets select at 11. 11, anticipating that they'll select one of the available five tackles. Yeah. I mean, the they did just sign George Font um, from Seattle. Uh, good for you. Um, we'll we'll see how that works out for him. Um, but they have him on the roster now. I I can't imagine they're gonna just displace him right away. They could use a right tackle. Um, they did spend a lot of money. Uh, it looks like they have some some other signings for uh, Alex Lewis at guard, Connor McGovern at center. So I mean, they have guys that they've added here to the O line. Um, can you get somebody to throw the ball to for Darnold too? I mean, Robbie Anderson left, and and who's who's left? Um, Brashad Perriman. Brashad Perriman. God, I mean, is a he's a tier three wide receiver in the NFL. I, he's, he's been tier three his whole career. Nice year last year with Jameis Winston because there were injuries, and Winston just yeah. chucks it up constantly and gives you a million opportunities. But um, you know, just not a guy that wins consistently. So I, I see that as potential. In this draft, do they get do they get a little weird? And Adam Gase decides he wants to go with uh, wide receiver instead of. It, it, I mean, if Jerry Judy is on the board, does he go? Yeah. You know what? I like Jerry Judy too much. We'll get a tackle later. Yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting spots at eleven. We've talked about nine and ten already about how they're in the catbird seat because all these guys are going to fall at eleven. You're like, okay, we could make out great depending on what these two ahead of us pick. Um, they could use an edge rusher. Um, they have some good defensive players, especially in the secondary. But I think when you're looking at that, um, their front seven against the run, they're awesome. Quinn and Williams, Steve McClendon, CJ Mosley. These are all Henry Anderson. Even these are guys who are very good against the run, but may not get after the passer as well. Um, Harvey Lang and, uh, Jordan Jenkins are their outside linebackers, which in a three, four, the guys you expect to get after the passer, um, those guys are not exactly terrifying if you're yeah. trying to throw the ball against them. Um, that's why they had to get creative. They have a lot of blitz uh, packages last season. You saw them using a lot of you know Jamal Adams blitzing, a lot of uh, stunting with C.J. Mosley blitzing up the middle. Um, they have to be creative because they don't have that edge rusher. I think that's their biggest need, glaring looking at it right now. Um, I'm just not sure who they can get at 11 that's going to be a value and a good fit. Yeah. I, I think there's where you may see Chazon come off the board. New England Patriots, quarterback, wide receiver, edge rusher, interior line. Uh, they have plenty of needs now there. 
Um, Tom Brady was not happy with the weapons that he had. Um, I can't imagine Jarrett Stidham would be happy with those weapons either. Um, it seems like the offensive side of the ball is the biggest concern for them. Yeah. Um, and, and seems like where they should be trying to address at their selection in the first round. Um, yeah, I think defense is sneaky need for them as well when you start listing off all the guys that left them, you know, and Jamie Collins and uh, Van Noy. Van Noy. Um, it's a lot of your high caliber defensive plays right there. Yeah. So you're, you know, you're going to be trying to patch together. Secondary is still good. Secondary is still good. Secondary is not a concern. Uh, mm-hmm. But you're trying to piece together that linebacker core. Um, you know, you still have Dante Hightower, who's just been a menace since he was drafted. Um, but, you know, not much else there that you're really worried about. I think about. they draft Jordan Love if he's on the board at 23. Jordan Love? Yeah. Yeah, I think quarterback is something that they, you know, they're they're acting like they're good, but I think they're probably panicking. Yeah, like, oh, I, I think they draft Jordan Love at 23 if he's on the board um, and see what they get with that kid, you know. Um, I would do it in a heartbeat if I was them. Yeah. Um, if nothing else, it's exciting. Right, no doubt. Um, should be fun to, to see how the board falls for them at 23 because there are some other needs there. And if, if one of the good wide receivers is still on the board, they might go there. Um, try to add weapons for, for Stidham. Um, yeah. Or whoever they sign, Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, who knows <laughs> what happens with those guys that are still floating out there. Yes. Um, moving on. AFC West. AFC West, our final division? Yes. The Denver Broncos. Wide receiver, cornerback, O-tackle. Um, Denver picks at 15, right? 15. Yes. Um, I think that this is a great landing spot for Jerry Judy if he's still there. Um, Henry Ruggs, any of those top three that fall out. Yeah. Um, C.J. Henderson falls out, they draft him here. Um, one of the top five tackles is out, they draft him here. This is one of those teams that has position of needs that have three strong position groups, so they're gonna they're in a really good spot at 15 this year to have somebody impactful come to them. Yeah. I'm, I'm still not sure what this Denver team's trying to accomplish. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they draft. But, you know, the Philip Lindsay, Royce Freeman, Melvin Gordon backfield, um, we'll see what they end up doing. Um, wide receiver's a big need for them. Cortland Sutton looks like he's a solid football player. Really good. Um, but everyone around him is not exciting at all. Yeah. Um, the defense is getting aged as well, getting well-seasoned. Von Miller was drafted in 2011. Yeah. Um, so we're getting in there to on him. So it'll be interesting to see. They definitely need some youth on defense and need some playmakers on offense. Yeah. Uh, San Diego Chargers, Los Angeles Chargers, whatever place they play, there's no fans there, so it doesn't really matter what city you say in front of their name. <laughs> um, quarterback, offensive tackle, cornerback. Um, but based on what we're hearing, Tyrod Taylor's their dude. Um I smell smoke. Yeah. I think that's yeah. all smoke. Yeah, it's – I think they draft Justin Herbert if he's there at six. Yeah. That's – I just – I don't see how they let him go by. Because if he does start to slip, things get really weird in this draft. True. Things get really weird because Carolina signed Bridgewater. Arizona's got Kyler Murray. Jacksonville says they're going with Minshew. But if he's there at nine – it may hop on it, yeah. 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 I mean, it, it could create a weird slide with the quarterback market. And what if the Dolphins took Herbert? They're going to it, right? They're not going to let him go by. Yeah, you wouldn't think so. Um, this team's an odd team, too, because it seemed like 
a year ago we were talking about how they're on the verge of something and now it seems like they haven't they got one foot in and one foot out you know they, they let philip rivers walk but they keep their coach um it seemed like it was a good time for either a full reset or stay the course another year and see how yeah. this works out and they, they're kind of doing this one foot in one foot out thing which um i like this team when i look at this team i'm i'm happy with it blaga i think at left tackle is nice pound you got pouncy you got trey turner on the offensive line keenan allen mike williams at wide out are solid hunter henry at tight end um Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson are good. Tyrod Taylor's got the best scenario he's ever seen as a quarterback. Yeah, and the best defense. Um, yeah, Bosa and Melvin Ingram rushing the passer is scary. Lindell Joseph is nasty. Um, Perryman is good. Derwin James is unreal in that yeah. secondary. I mean, they're just top to Chris Harris now is there. I mean, top to bottom, this, this roster is really good. They have some question marks on what what their plan is. What the what's going to happen here? Yeah. Um, Kansas City Chiefs, defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, cornerback, interior O-line, and running back. Uh, 32, can you imagine having DeAndre Swift in the backfield next to Patrick Mahomes? Yeah, I was <laughs> looking at some of the mocks. You see them taking a running back very very frequently at, at five. Um, Smith, Dobbins, one of those two guys. Uh, Swift or Dobbins, rather. And just the thought of either one of those crazy playmakers there is just... Come on, enough's enough. It's not fair. They ain't right. Um, <laughs> Pick some defense. Yeah, you? I'm not going to go in, into deep detail on the Chiefs. We all know they're good. They could use a corner, too. They could use corner. So, you know, a corner, um, a running back, maybe Cesar Ruiz here, maybe, you know. Hey, listen, I've always said the 32nd spot is such a nice spot now because you can trade out, give somebody else that fifth year on a player they want, and yeah. get more assets to help your, yeah. your bolster the team. Um, obviously, it means you won the Super Bowl, which is yeah. awesome. But uh, get, trading out of that spot is usually very uh, advantageous for you. The Las Vegas Raiders. Whose stadium looks cooler by the minute. Absolutely. I went out there while they were building it, and it starts to get more and more awesome every time that you yeah. look at pictures of it. Now now they got that black outside to it. It's all lit up. When I, when I went and took pictures of it, it was like... Uh, it was just a construction frame. All yeah. you could see was the framework. Um, so it's pretty, pretty damn cool looking place. Now they have two picks, twelve and nineteen, and they need wide receiver and corner. Wide receiver for sure. Yeah. Um, you know what kind of guy do you think Mayock and and uh, Gruden would fall for here? Jalen Rager. Really? Maybe not at the top one, but I think they're going to be in love. They are speed guys. You hear Gruden talk about it. Mayock was always in love with speed. Um, I just think that they're going to fall in love with him. I don't think they're going to be able to get rugs. Yeah. Um, maybe with the I mean, I guess their maybe first 12. pick. Maybe yeah. 12, they can get rugs. They would probably be ecstatic for that. They'd probably take rugs if he was there, wouldn't they? Absolutely, at 12. Yeah. Um, I just, when you look at their team, they're, they're solid. They could double down at wide receiver in the first round and be insane. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Think about it. You go Rugs and then Rager or Rugs and then whoever else is there. CD Lamb yeah. on the opposite side. Holy shit! I mean, this is a. <laughs> they have some interesting pieces at wide receiver. So they have like Tyrell Williams, Hunter Renfro, Nelson Aguilar, and Zay Jones. But they don't add up to anything that's really. They're all complementary players, I think, on yeah. that four. So you really are missing the top couple of guys. But yeah. I like their old line. I, I like the addition of um, Jason Witten. Um, the quarterback position is a little interesting because Derek Carr is getting the competition from Mariota. 
Um, Josh Jacobs was awesome last season. The, their defense rushes the passer well. Um, could definitely they don't some... do much else well. Their, their <laughs> yeah. secondary stinks. They could definitely the, use some help with the secondary. The secondary is where I think that they need the most work. So, yeah, um, yeah should be. I mean, this draft is we're 10 days away, basically yeah. 11 days away. I'm so excited. I'm having so much fun with all this evaluation and, and learning more about the process. This, I have to say this is the deepest I've ever div- dived into the, the draft prospects. Um, and I've always been interested in it and done mock drafts and all that stuff. So um, we're approaching two hours now tonight. So wow. um, I think we're gonna we're gonna uh, forego the top ten in our mock. I, I mean, I guess we can do it quick. This, we can do this really quick. Our big boards, rather. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, we're gonna talk about our top ten in our big boards. Um, we can probably buzz through that pretty quick. So um, want me just go ten to one? Yeah, go right ahead. So I have Jerry Judy at 10, Jedrick Wills Jr. at 9, Xavier McKinney at 8, Javon Kinlaw 7, Jeff Okuda 6, Isaiah Simmons 5, Derek Brown 4, Tua Tagovailoa 3, Chase Young 2, and Burrow at 1. Yeah, um, you have Burrow at 1, huh? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't have Burrow at 1. I said in an earlier pod that I have uh, Isaiah Simmons at 1. Um, but my, my top 10 is, uh, Javon Kinlaw at 10. I have, uh, let's see. I don't have it right in front of me. I'm sorry, guys. It'll be just a second here. Uh, Jerry Judy at nine, Andrew Thomas at eight. Tua Tagovailoa at seven. Jedrick Wills at six, Josh Jones at five, Joe Burrow at four. I did have Tagovailoa higher than than Burrow initially, um, and then I've got Derek Brown at three, Jeff Okuda at two, and um, Isaiah Simmons at one. Yeah, and uh, so this week. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I left Chase Young off my list. I'm sorry. Um, Chase Young would be at four. Everything else would be pushed down after that. No, Jeff Chase Young at two. Everything else pushed down after that. Okay. Um. So this week we're going to have uh, we're gonna be launching the website. Yeah. We're gonna be putting up our full big boards on there for you guys to look at. Um, I can provide some clarity to you on my top 10 <laughs> when you see my big board, but I didn't have, the, I wrote it on my other laptop and didn't have it out here with me. I made a mess of that. So sorry about that. Guys. Uh, <laughs> so we'll have that available to you. Stay tuned on our Facebook page. We'll be letting you know when that goes live. We'll be posting both of those and uh, we'll talk to you next week when we do our live two round mock draft. Yeah. 8 PM Monday night. Check our Facebook page guys, because we may be doing Facebook live. Um, for sure. We're going to put together a zoom. So we'll probably have a couple different camera angles and, and, um, lots of action going on here. So, uh, thanks again, everybody have a great week.